0: You are listening to a podcast from West Wind Church. For more information, visit our website at westwindchurch.org. Well, good morning. How are we all doing? Oh, wow. You guys are kind of chiming in there. I love it. Uh, my little table. Uh, so I'm just gonna go right into it. I'm not gonna tell some story or bring out soda cans. Sorry, guys. Um, and so if you're here last week, we were wrapping up chapter 10, and then part of chapter 11, diving into that. And so uh, if you if you weren't able to to be here last week or catch that online, um, just here's the recap of it. We've been walking through. Peter received this vision uh, as he was praying that. The Lord just spoke to him and said, hey, Peter, this this gospel, this story of what I've done, the power of of the cross and the resurrection is not just for you, the Jews, but for the whole world. And so I want you to go and and lead the way, shape the change that is gonna happen in what we now understand to be the gathering of God's people, the church. I need you to lead the way. People are looking to you to go. You started this thing and I'm gonna help you take it to the next level. And so these guys are gonna come, they're, gonna, oh, they're knocking at the door, go down and greet them. It's gonna be okay, go with them, but go to people that your heritage and your history and your storyline has said, don't spend fellowship, don't be in fellowship with these people. But I'm telling you that that is good. It's not just okay, but it is good to do that. And so Peter went with them to this man Cornelius's house. And he sat down with Cornelius and Cornelius shared his story that I was praying as well and the Lord told me to send for you that the Lord is working um, through both of us to bring us together, not just for you and I, although the words of Peter sharing the gospel transformed and shaped and opened Cornelius' understanding of the gospel to a whole nother level. And then the people around them that heard that story just exploded with the goodness of God, the grace of God that they chose to follow after the gospel, to follow after Jesus, to walk. Walk with God in holiness. And so Peter is taking this in, and the spirit falls on this place, and, and all of this stuff is happening. And Peter makes this amazing statement: It's like if, if God's in this, who are we to get in the way? Amen. So if God's doing this, I I'm I know that I've I've kind of a little bit somehow I, I I rose to this place to where I have some authority, but I'm not it. I'm just a man too and if God is in it, let's get out of the way to let God do what he needs to do. And so he baptizes those new believers right on the spot as scripture leads us to so many times. And then he heads back to Jerusalem because the Jews are now saying, wait, what did you just do? You just went and had fellowship with the Gentiles. You're not supposed to do that as a good God-fearing Jew. And Peter tells them the whole story that I just shared with you. And they come to this place where they're just silent because they began to realize that God is doing a different, a new thing. And they extolled and glorified God because God's doing a new thing. It's pretty awesome. We get to say amen to that again on week two and go home. And remember that God is doing a new thing, similar to what we just celebrated in worship and in communion, that God wants to do a new thing. He's gonna take all that he's been teaching you and expand that. He's gonna illuminate that for us so that we can see he wants to do a new thing. And so what Luke does in his narrative of the, of the book of Acts is he's layering the timeline a little bit. And so starting, we're going to be in Acts chapter 11, so grab your Bibles. Um, We'll have it on the screens as well. But what Luke is going to do here, starting in verse 19, he's he's layering the timeline. What I mean by that, he's really going to pick us up back in what happened in chapter 8. So by chapter timelines, we are a few chapters after that. If you're good at math, anyone not good at math? Because I can like map it out for you. Brett is the only one. You got it? you good? Eight, nine, 10, 11. They all know. Okay, so uh, he's layering that out because he's taking us back to after Stephen was uh, stoned and killed and the persecution began for these new believers for the now new church. And he's using Peter's story because we're, what follows out of Stephen's stoning and death and in that persecution is we see the expansion of the church moving beyond Jerusalem, And this is a huge deal because at first at Pentecost, the the reception of of that movement of the spirit primarily fell on what we see in the book on on the Jews. And God, as he told Peter like, but it's going bigger. We're We're going all over the place with this Peter, like hang in there, things are gonna get a little different on you, but it's gonna be good. And so Luke circles back around, layers the timeline, and says, let's go back. Because remember, the church is now being persecuted for what they're choosing to believe. And it's interesting to see where some of that persecution comes from. Some of it may be coming from Roman Empire, from Romans. Some of it may be coming from uh, the spiritual leaders, the, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, in the Jewish culture, because this is a huge change and shift for them in their understanding of what they've been called to and, what, and it's hard for them to kind of grasp what, what the Lord so clearly spoke to Peter and to Cornelius. So they're receiving a little persecution from within the fellowship. Uh, but they're also receiving persecution from just the world around them. The world is just working against them. They're starting to feel this. There's this dude named Saul who is all about persecuting. We learned about him over these last few chapters and the change that that the Lord made in him to make something new, to give him a new name as Paul. And we're going to see that, that Luke takes us back to his name Saul because we're going to see something new in the beginning of this. So these uh, 10, 11 verses are awesome. So I want to read through it and then I want to point out a few things and I want to hang out on one of them. So there's so many uh, sermons just in these uh, 11 verses that we could go on to, and I'm only going to preach one, unless you want me to preach all four. we be No thanks. <laughs> thanks for being honest. Um, so let's start in verse 19 of chapter 11. If you've got your Bibles, you've got your devices, you can look on here in the screens as well. And it starts here. Now those who were scattered because of the persecution that arose over Stephen, flipping back to where we saw in chapter eight, traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except the Jews. Make a pin on that one, we're gonna come back to that. They were speaking the word to no one except Jews, but there were some of them, men of Cyprus and Cyrene, who on coming to Antioch spoke to the Hellenists, also preaching the Lord Jesus. For, speaking of Barnabas, he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. So Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, who we now know as Paul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch for a whole year. They met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Now, in these days, prophets came down from Jerusalem to Antioch. And one of them, named Agabus, stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine all over the world. And this took place in the days of Claudius. And so the disciples determined everyone according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea, which is where this famine hit the hardest. You can see this. Josephus is a historian, a Jewish historian, and he speaks of this in his historical accounts that they were hit the hardest in Judea. And they did so, meaning that they sent uh, that relief to the, the believers in Judea. They did so, sending it to the elders by the hand of Barnabas and Saul. So here we are, we're kinda pulling in this a little bit and there's a few things that I just wanna point out because I wanna encourage you guys to dig into a little bit on your own because these are the three other sermons that are pretty cool. One thing, first, this is the first moment that we really see Paul's missionary journeys begin. He's pulled in by Barnabas to a place outside of Jerusalem, beyond the disciples in which he's been learning and growing in, and he's led to live and do life and to preach the word of God to the people in Antioch for one whole year. From here, we begin to see Paul's missionary journey expand globally, and that's pretty cool. Number one. Number two, this is the first time we see in scripture, in the book of Acts, that the the believers are called Christians, which is also really awesome. They've been known that this is coming from the movement called The Way, but this is the first time that individuals were called Christians. Now, let me clarify a little bit in this. I think the word Christian in our modern context has lost its depth and understanding. So let me define what they mean here followers of Christ. That's what a Christian is, that they're following after the work and the ministry of Jesus. They've committed and given their life over to Jesus. So they were first called Christians. Also pretty cool, right? Yeah, you think, okay. Um, And then this is the first mention in, in the book, in the New Testament, but let alone in the book of Acts that we see the word elders elders are introduced into the structure of the body and the gathering of believers, which is pretty cool because we see this understanding that there's leadership in the church, that there's a mission and a purpose and a direction that is being led out by these leaders. And we're gonna see that come out through not only the book of Acts, but through the rest of Paul's letters to the church as well. It's a pretty big deal. So there's three big firsts that we see in these 11 verses which are amazing. And I think these three things really do set up so much of what we'll understand out of the latter half of the book of Acts, but all the other letters out of the New Testament that come following the book of Acts, amen? Is that good? So you guys got those down on your notes? Because I'm not talking about them anymore. The one thing that stood out to me out of these 11 verses was this one thing. They sent Barnabas, and Barnabas was a man of encouragement. That's what his name means. He was a man, and they give his, the best possible uh, CV you could ever, or a or, uh, um, resume you could ever give for this guy. For those of you guys who don't know what a CV is, I guess. Um, he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. What else do you need to know about this guy? He loved God, and he was faithful, and he was good. He saw beyond just himself and, 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 and the gifts and the skills that God had given him, but he saw God move in so many bigger and broader ways and he loved that. So he's a man of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and he was good. And this is what he encouraged them. And as I was studying for this weekend, this is what stood out to me so much so that I felt like this is exactly where God wanted us to be today. In verse 23. When he came and saw the grace of God, he was glad and he exhorted them to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose. When Barnabas came into the situation, there's a lot of uncertainty, a lot of unknown, there's persecution, there was newness, there was a misunderstanding, and he saw the grace of God in it all, and his encouragement wasn't, "No, you need to go be circumcised, or you know, you need to stop eating these things, or you need to start fellowshipping in these ways, or you need to do these things." Here's the list. Let me—I I gotta print it out for you. Do these things as followers of Jesus. No, no. He just simply said, "Remain faithful to the Lord Jesus with steadfast." purpose, and church, that's where I wanna go today with you, to bring that same encouragement to us in this place, because there's a lot of different things that we are experiencing in our world compared to their world, but I think there's also a a lot of them that align with what we're going through in our world today. And I love, I was looking up this, this verse in other translations and um, in, in, the, in the message where Eugene Peterson kind of builds it out. He says, stay with it your whole life. Like when you look down the line, like don't just live in this moment, but look way ahead. Like as far as Jesus has taken you, you go with it. Uh, in the home Holman Coleman, it said, remain true with a firm resolve. And I love that. And in the NIV, it, it says, remain true with all of your heart. And I, that made me, as I was reading that, it's like, it's the Lord's command. Love the Lord with all your heart, soul mind and strength, right? And I love the Nasby with resolute heart. There's just something about the word resolute for me that just says, I am, I am standing solid and firm. I am immovable in the gospel. I am immovable in the goodness and the grace of God. I will stand rooted and planted in the cornerstone. That is Jesus Now, there's all of this stuff that is going on around us, crazy stuff that is happening. But I will be resolute to stand firm. And I love that idea because we see it all throughout Scripture. One of my favorite parts of the Old Testament is the first chapter of Joshua. When Moses passes and Joshua is given the leadership of the nation of Israel, And God's first command is be strong and courageous to stand firm in me, I've got your back. Everywhere we're gonna go, I'm going before you. Everything you're gonna experience, I've got your back. So stand firm and courageous, be bold in this, be resolute in what I've called you to. And then we see that in Paul's letters, throughout each of his letters, stand firm, be bold, it's a message throughout, we, throughout all of scripture that we have to hold on to, And it's not about what's going on around us, but it's about who we are and who we are in in the person of Jesus, that we can stand rooted, resolute in the Lord Jesus. Such a good word. You should write that word down. If you don't know it, or you should look it up. It's a good word. It says a lot about where we've come from, about where we are, and about where we're going. So to remain steadfast and to remain faithful is his encouragement. And there's a lot spinning in these verses too. Because if you go right back to the first one, that the, the Jews, although they've heard Peter share that, hey, God is doing a new thing that is beyond just us. But yet here we are starting out that after this, the persecution arose, that people traveled as far, but they were speaking the word to no one except for the Jews, some of them, good-hearted folk, I'm sure, bless their heart, as they say in Texas, but they didn't get the new message. They didn't yet let their understanding grow and expand with what God was doing in the world. Because they're they, they like, but this is, this is just for us. We're the chosen nation. We're the ones. And maybe they didn't blatantly just say the Gentiles, like they don't, they don't, they're just, they're just Gentiles, like they don't need any of this. But they, they made a statement by saying that we're just going to talk to the Jews. They missed the moment. They missed the moment in that. And so there's a point that for Antioch to realize, like, why, why, don't, why don't you care for us? Like, wait, is there, because we're, we're sensing something here, God's doing something, but, but I feel like you're going to the other direction saying that we don't need to, but you know, and so you kind of, you have to speculate a little bit into that. I know that's hard to do with scripture, but we see it kind of come off this page, but yet there's a few that went to Antioch and, uh, and, and to Cyprus and Phoenicia, and they, they started spreading and they started preaching Jesus too. And I love how Luke writes this. And the Lord was with them. The Lord revealed a truth to expand their understanding. And they grasped it. This group of guys and gals grasped it. They said, hey, God wants us to go. Let's go. God said, this is beyond us. This is is something new. This is for everyone. So let's go take it to everyone. And let's get the word out and the Lord was with them. He blessed their faithfulness to remain steadfast, to to be resolute in the gospel. And a great number were added, again, we see that again in scripture, even going back to the beginning of Acts at Pentecost, that a great number was added to that day. In a city that that was not Jerusalem, in a city that was not primarily uh, uh, Jewish or Hebrew, it just wasn't, and there was an expansion of the gospel that started to flood into a new idea, into a new vision, into a new purpose to take the gospel throughout all the world. But then the Jews in in Jerusalem were like, whoa, wait, 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 wait a second. Is this happening again? Like I thought it was like a one-time thing. Like, I'm okay with the one-time thing. But when it starts to happen again and again, we, we gotta send someone to check this out. We gotta make sure that they're doing this stuff right. So they take Barnabas, the trusted man, and they send him out. And his first report is, man, this is good. Look what the grace of God is doing in people's lives. It's not about your heritage or where you've come from. It's not about what may be marked against you or not. It's, mar- it's not about the persecution that's going around you. All those things may be true and all those things may be part of our story, but it's about the grace of God at the center of it. And so again, his encouragement is to stand and be, and be faithful, to remain faithful in the Lord with steadfast purpose, and I love it. And so I even think about us with where we are in our world that's churning, and, and let's just throw it out there, I'm not super political guy, but all the politics and all the things that are changing in our world, all the things that the church in our modern ages is going through, that we're, we're wrestling and struggling through. All the things that, that people are, are maybe just either over-concerned about, or under-concerned about, or absolutely confused about. And every part of that world needs the gospel. They need the grace of God to to transform where they are so they can understand that, hey, God came to do a new thing in you. So we can take all of this stuff, but in the middle of it, right at the center, God is there. While we were sinners, that's when Jesus died for us not when we got it all worked out. And our world needs to hear that. They need to see the love of the church and the community of the church just grow and expand beyond our walls. They need to see the, uh, uh, the believers come out and say, this is good, look at the grace of God moving in people's lives, that, that that is the story that we wanna be a part of. That is the story that we wanna run to. That is the place that I wanna stand resolute, to see God do a greater thing, a bigger thing, a new thing, not only in me, but through me, together with the body of Christ, to see this world change with the gospel, with the goodness and the grace of God. And I really think Barnabas in this moment, he saw a few things that that remaining faithful and steadfast and that purpose stood out. And there's a few things that we see jump out of these three, three, uh, 11 verses that hold us to this understanding. And the first thing is this, they were teaching God's word. And even when, when Barnabas went and found Saul and said, Saul, Paul, come with me, let's be here for a year, let's teach the church. Let's bring the, the truths of God's word out, the, the gospel. Let's see that expand. Remain faithful in teaching God's word. We see that in verse 20, that, that, that they were preaching the gospel, preaching Lord Jesus. We see it in verse 26, that they, uh, they went and found him. They brought and they taught for all the people for a whole year. They spent their time living and breathing and feeding off the word of God. Remain faithful and steadfast in this book. As God speaks, hang out there, be resolute right here. This is my foundation. It's not anything else, this is it. We get to stand on this truth and this foundation, remain faithful and steadfast on this purpose. There's so much here, so much we can dive into, so much we can glean and learn and grow from. And the second thing is that we, we remain faithful and steadfast in gathering as the church. Now, I don't know if this is even, you know, relevant to us these days, right? right? You know, I mean, anyone, no? It's so relevant to us now. After coming out of a season to where we had to isolate and separate, it's so important for us to encourage and to draw one another in and to gather as a church. And guess what? Not just on Sundays, but anytime and every time we have the opportunity were being drawn together in community, centered on the person of Jesus and the gospel. And they, they made that a, a point for the year they, they met as a church. And that continued to become their rhythm, their, their, their thing, the, the, the definer of who they were. They gathered together as a church to remain faithful and steadfast to it, even when it's hard even when it's uncertain, to stand strong and faithful, resolute in that. And then the third thing is this, and I love this part, in caring for the church. We need to be, remain faithful and steadfast in caring for the body of Christ, to be generous with what God has given us. And this takes us back to Acts 2, that they, they pulled everything together and they gave to anyone who was in need. That's how the church lived and breathed and did life. They studied and, and, and dove into God's word with the apostles' teaching. They shared in communion and fellowship and, the, and they gave to one another to make sure that every need was met. So I'm going to remain steadfast and faithful to be generous so that the church can move forward and reach the community. And and this is a big one because I love what's happening in these latter verses. So in 27, Agabus comes around as these prophets are seeing what God is doing in Antioch in this new city. And they're going there to help bring the word of God to these people. So we know that it's not just Barnabas and Paul, but there's others that are coming that wanna reveal and illuminate the words of God. And this guy named Agabus comes and he prophesies about this coming famine, the shortage of food. And it, it, it verifies that that he was foretold by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, that this is gonna happen. And so it's aligning with Scripture. It's bigger than who he is and so the disciples Respond. They say, if this is true, we need to prepare. We need to be generous. And we need to care for our body, our brothers and our sisters in Christ. And so they they say to all those, everyone, everyone, according to his ability, it's not everyone has to give the same amount, but everyone, according to the ability, is putting their hands in and saying, we're for this. But let's make make a note of attention right to this. That we know in Antioch, These are new believers, many of which Gentiles. That, going back to verse 19, they're the ones that some of these Jews just weren't even willing to come to because they weren't Jews. But look at their response to what God was doing in their lives. They sent relief to the brothers in Judea. Guess who lived in Judea? The Jews. So these new believers, these new Gentiles, they looked at their brothers, their brothers, and they did so. They followed the directions of their leaders and they sent the relief food to these brothers and sisters in the church. As God was doing a new thing, they were understanding that, hey, this, isn't, this is not about us either and we get to care for one another. Even those that might be persecuting us, even those that we may see as our enemies or we've known as our enemies or we've known as people that maybe just don't care, but we're still gonna care for them. Again, it's not about who you are necessarily but or where we've come from, but because of what God is doing in me now, I'm gonna be generous with, with who I am and what I have for the body of Christ to the glory of God that we can care for one another, not just here in our context, in Antioch, not just here at Westwind Church, but beyond Westwind Church to, to other churches. Might we be able to care for other churches in our area to see the gospel work through those churches too? May churches stop competing with one another and start working together for the good of the gospel. But even go beyond that. Let's go beyond the church. Let's get into the schools. Let's help the schools minister to the families in our community, because guess what? We are a family-oriented community in so many ways. How can we partner with the school systems and the school districts and the teachers and the educators say, how can we love on our community through what you know for what you're doing? How do we come alongside of the law enforcement and the fire department and the hospital and the the medical workers, how can we help? How can we serve? How can we care? How can we come alongside of the people that the Lord sped and created a vision in them, say, I have a vision for those who are suffering in poverty, or for those who are single parents, or for those who are, are going through a need for uh, rental assistance, how do we join them in the work that they're doing? Like, Let's go with them, let's be generous with them. And through our generosity in a church, we can move beyond our walls to love people that maybe, just maybe, we haven't thought about, or maybe, just maybe, are kind of off our radar, but they're not off others and we can join together with them to share the generosity, to see the grace of God move to remain steadfast and faithful in those moments. And yeah, there's some really great things in these 11 verses, but that's the one. Church, I desire to see West Wind become a place that if we weren't to exist, our community would desperately miss us. I desire to be a place that when people look to this church, they say that church is all about two things, worshiping God and giving their full lives over to Him. And they're rooted and resolute in the, the goodness of the Word of God. And they hang on every word of it. That's where, that's where every teaching comes from. I, I pray and hope that our community looks around and they see West Wind Church and they say, that church gives so much to our community. And again, this is careful, because I don't wanna make this huge spotlight and like, hey, we're the church in the community, look at them, they're the best church around. I don't, I have no concern about that. I don't think any of our elders have any concern about that, but I don't wanna lose the purpose of what we've been called to, to be on mission, to reach our world with the gospel. But for us to do that together, we have to do it in our own hearts, in our own lives. We have to recognize the power of what we celebrate in communion, the death and the resurrection of Jesus and how that changes us and makes us new. There's not a blemish or a flaw or sin or, or some cracked vessel of ours that God will not shape and change and make new that He knows you, He knit you together in His womb as the Psalmist tells us, and He desires to be in relationship with you, no matter what. And He's gonna do everything He can to reconcile that relationship. But He also has wired and shaped in you a gift, a skill. He's given you, He's blessed you with, with resources and things so that you can give that away. He wants to use you to be a part of this ever changing, moving forward understanding of the word of God and the gospel to the world. He wants to use you. There's not one person in this room that he does not believe that he can shape and change with the gospel to make much of for his glory in our world. We all bring something to the table that he can transform and use. And it starts with us to say, Lord, this world is crazy right now, but I'm gonna stand resolute. And Lord, I wanna be faithful and I wanna be steadfast with the purpose of the gospel. I'm gonna be resolute in my study of the word. I wanna be resolute in my gathering with other believers so that I can grow in who you are. I wanna be resolute in loving this world Practically, to be the hands and feet of Jesus to a world that we may be the only Jesus with skin on that they ever interact with. I wanna be there. I wanna be there. And it starts with our hearts. And it moves together as it compounds together. And as it compounds together, as the church gathers, oh, it's a movement that this world can't stop and it all started back here in Acts. The beauty of this story that, that what Peter said, if, if God's in it, if God's doing it, let's just get out of the way. Let's see what God can do through us as the church. I'm gonna invite the band to come back up. And I wanna take you guys in just a moment to, to close your eyes as we prepare to worship again and sing this song that we desire to see Christ to be magnified in us, but I wonder, even in our contemplation and understanding of what communion is. That the, the body and the blood of Christ, what it can do and does in our lives and for us that we, we celebrate and we remember in that. What might we need to give back to the Lord? What might we say, like, okay, Jesus, where's the cornerstone? I'm gonna stand on that. I'm gonna root myself in and, and knowing that when I'm rooted in you, I can get all this stuff blown around me and persecuting me and pushing in on me. And, and I can get people saying you're crazy or you're insane or you're too broken or you're too lost or you're too far out there. Or, you can't, you know, you're this to church and the church is just messed up. They're the ones supposed to be good, but, but they're not good in these days. But you can stand resolute and say, I stand on the word of God and the grace of the gospel in and through my life. And I'm gonna give everything I have, but what do I need to start? What do I, what do I need to do today? And maybe it's as simple as saying, Christ be magnified in me. That you hear your own voice singing those words and you begin to understand what those words mean. And you begin to understand what what he wants to do in you, but also through you. I think Barnabas understood that. This was new for him too. But to say the grace of God is moving here. Peter's words, if the grace of God is moving, man, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand resolute, but I'm, I'm going to get out of the way because I want to see God move. That's the primer. I want to see God move in me and in the church and in our world. I want to see God move. Church, can we see God move together? Will you stand with us and let's just sing the song, Christ Be Magnified, and sing it just as a prayer for ourselves, but, but also to raise our voices together as through the church, Christ be magnified through this church to do greater things than we can ask or imagine. Christ be magnified. Let's worship together.